Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Hello, TSF family, and welcome to episode 20 of season five of This Spiritual Fix. Today is the first in our multi-part series on the money wound. Yes, finally, it's here. Enjoy. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Hello, Hello, Christina. Hello, Anna. How are you? I am good. I am good. I feel like my voice is a little rough today, which everybody can hear, but that's a I'm good. I'm good. It's been I've I've had a week without my kids. Which so you is... haven't been exercising your yelling cords. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's like I was Just kidding. Too, uh, she I doesn't was... yell at her kids. She's actually a cool mom. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Except for that, I'm also a neurodivergent mom. So I'm also one that like easily gets overstimulated and has to be careful. I just get intense. And it comes across as yelling, I think, probably. But but it's funny because uh, we were joking earlier in the week that you had a time without your kids and I, and I was having a time without my kids. And like, my kids are my regulator. They've become like the one that reminds me that I have to eat and sleep and do things like that. Like I, when my kids are gone, it's like I get so deep into my flow states and like my concentration that like I totally forget to be human it's really fascinating so that's been my week yeah I was without my kids for just a few days and it was like really lonely and jarring and then like you I got into these these flow states I went to like six supermarkets across the two days preparing for the fourth of July weekend and I just got a lot done but then at the same time it was really lonely. Yes, it's very lonely. Like my kids give me purpose. Like I didn't even realize that they did. Yeah, pretty amazing. So yeah. So, anyways, yeah. I'm so excited about, about this, this wound. Okay, this yeah. episode is like a year in preparation. <laughs> it's taken me a year to prepare this episode because I've been taking the Mind Valley Ken Honda Money Course, and it's one of those things where like I learn a little bit. I have to think about it and digest it learn a little bit more, think about it and digest it. And because of that, it's just taken me forever to get through. But that's why we're presenting part one of the Money Wound series, 
now in season five, because we want to give you some time, a few weeks to like digest this information and notice things in your life so that in season six, we're going to go over healing the money wound, right? We're going to go over exercises you can do to heal this. But right now, I think like just the awareness and clarity of it, it's it's a really big wound for a lot of people yes. and it's karmic and it can go back and there's just so many aspects of it. So we're just going to set the stage here today. Sorry to disappoint if anyone was like, yay, money wound, we're going to like heal this thing. Today, we're actually just going to become aware of it, which is the first, if you want to talk about the processes. of, Yeah. Like yeah. So we, we talk about our, the shadow wound process being access, awareness, processing, and remembrance and access is even opening this podcast, right? Like even like having this podcast come into your world or your purview or somebody sent it to you or whatever it is, that's access, right? It's just like, it's like, you know, out of all the things that you could pay attention to in the world, like you're listening to this now. And then awareness is the mental process of it's the mental exercise. Let's call it that the mental exercise of just becoming aware of how much it touches your life. Right. Because it's like, it's very similar to like, if you were in a garden and you had weeds and you're like, okay, I'm going to go into my garden and weed. And then you like, you hone in on a particular type of weed and you're like, oh my God, they're not just in this bed. Those weeds are everywhere. They're all over my garden. Right. So it's like, and, and then, you know, kind of like figuring out exactly, you know, how it got all over your garden. That's the awareness. Right. And then as we move into next season, we'll do the, the kind of processing and remembrance processing being, okay, it's time to actually pull these weeds or mm -hmm. figure out like how to kind of process the weeds in the garden or, you know, whether it is to lay mulch or to pull them or, or to, you know, do whatever it is that you would like to do. Yeah. Uh, and then remembrance is the experience of just like sitting there and being like, this was a beautiful thing. I'm going to remember this and like put like a healing bomb on it. So that's mm -hmm. that a work process we follow on this podcast. And then the other thing I want to mention, I mentioned it when we started the Primal Wound series, which is that Osho analogy, which is like, you're going to go clean your attic and you go upstairs and you turn on the light and you're suddenly see like cobwebs everywhere and dust everywhere and like all these old bags that should have been donated everywhere. And like, you're overwhelmed with how much crap is up there and he says that, you know, it was already there, but the light was the light of awareness that allowed you to see it. So you can't clean what you don't see. So we just want to like, let you know, like everyone's going to have stuff. It's normal if you start to become very hyper aware of your money wound and then, and how it spills into other areas of your life. And then just remember, like we're in the awareness period, we're going to get to the cleaning period and like, don't be overwhelmed by what you see, or I guess be overwhelmed by what you see, be aware of whatever comes up. But like, this is the stage where we're just kind of seeing it and understanding it. Yep. Yep. And, and even that, I think, I think one of the things you find too, is that awareness oftentimes leads to its own level of, of processing. Process. Yeah. Right. Like sometimes just being aware of it is enough. You're like, oh, my knee jerk reaction was this, but you know, maybe I can make a different choice. Exactly. Just to begin, there is like Christine and I have been discussing for a long time that we want to do the money wound. We've done primal wounds. We've done the father wound, the mother wound. What about the money wound? Right. So I looked into it and I am taking a course on Mind Valley by the Zen Japanese millionaire Ken Honda, who discusses financial freedom and 
basically healing of the money wound. And he talks a lot about how the money wound can be hereditary. Like we learn from our parents or we learn from our culture. And I don't think he said this in the course, but it's something we've learned from our shaman is like, we can also have money wounds because of vows we've taken in past lives. Like maybe we took a vow of a poverty or a vow of celibacy or whatever. And so it, it comes from a lot of different places, but we're going to look at what, it, how it shows up first. So I was talking to Archangel Michael and I'm like, what should I present on this episode? And he said that there are five archetypes that we are inundated with in Disney movies, in fairy tales, and in our life. And these five archetypes really shape our relationship with money. So I want to talk about those first. Okay. Okay. All right. So the first one is the poor little rich girl, right? This is like typically, you know, presented as a female character, but like the male version of it would be the guy who was let off the hook by the judge for having affluenza, you know, affluency issues. Yes. So in this situation, the poor little rich girl is someone who on the pro side of thing has a lot of abundance. There's a lot of abundance and wealth in their life. The con is a sense of entitlement. There's a lot of ignorance about how they have that money. You know, like I can think of, of some people who complain, who have been very blessed financially or in other terms of abundance, and then choose to focus and complain about really crazy things or just completely oblivious to and entitled to the things that they have, right? Yeah, yeah. In other words, in other words, like if you're gonna have a problem, I have a lot of problems, but money's not one of them is what somebody in my family used to always say. I feel like it's kind of like that, right? Which is like, but it's an emphasis on the problems that you have and not necessarily like the money. Yeah. Right. Or it's it's like having a conversation with someone who's struggling to buy a new washing machine for their clothes and complaining that you can't find the new Chanel bag in the color that you want. Okay. Like that's an an example, right? Of how it, it can look. Right, right. And also, I feel like there's also something here with like crossing socioeconomic borders that exist, unfortunately, or 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 kind of groupings that that exist in our world, too, is that like, you know, if you're having a victim mentality, like, it doesn't matter if you actually have so much compared to other people, because you're still going to have that victim mentality. Exactly, exactly. Right. But and with but with that victim mentality comes this also level of of complete ignorance for the other, right? An entitlement mindset. All right. The second one is Scrooge. Do you want to talk about that, Christina? (laughs) I can talk about that. So what I would think of as the Scrooge is like, it reminds me of the, of what Dave Ramsey calls, like he has like the conservative spender and like the free spirit. Those are his two archetypes that he uses in his. And that's like the Scrooge in my mind, which is like the conservative spender, right? The, the advantage being the fact that they are they probably do have a lot of abundance, just like Scrooge has. But the the con is that everything is scarce, right? Like there's no there's no free movement of the thing, so you have a lot because you don't give a lot, right? As opposed to you know something else, which would be like I have a lot because I give a lot, right? Like Buckminster Fuller is the example of of that kind of opposite of like I have a lot because I give a lot. Buckminster Fuller 
was an inventor and just this generally really freaking awesome guy. And what he used to do was he invented the geodesic dome and buckyballs, which is like carbon 64, like those little round magnets, basically, that you can play with at your desk, which I do sometimes. And one of the things that he did is he basically spent his life as an experiment and he, he made it so that he gave away all of his income at the end of every single month because he knew that whatever he did was going to be create enough income to support his family the next month, right? So he basically, that was one of the experiments he did. He gave generously and thus he experienced abundance. Scrooge is, is, has experiences abundance, but doesn't give. Like they experience abundance only because they don't give. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's not just like giving to charity. That's like giving into the whole ecosystem of the energetic e ecosystem that is like supporting money and wealth and everything around it. And like supporting the wealth an abundance of everybody around you, recognizing that it is a holistic ecosystem that you need to participate in. The, thir the third archetype he gave me was the oblivious widower. And I was like, what's the oblivious widower? And he showed me images of all these like Disney movies where the father is a widower. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm like mm. all the, the little fairy tales we watched as kids, there's no mother, right? It's a, it's a widower. And He's oblivious. He except with the exception of King Triton in The Little Mermaid. He's not oblivious, okay? But all the other ones are completely oblivious as to what their what their money and their power can afford them. Like an example would be Cinderella. Like her father didn't properly set up a will or set up an infrastructure that she would be protected by her stepmother. And then, you know, same thing with Snow White. Wasn't Snow White like cast away in yeah, well, Belle and Beauty, Beauty and the Beast? Her father is like this oblivious genius. She to, yeah, she has to caretake him. She has right. to take care of him, right? And and in either case, that's where you get the archetype of the evil stepmother is because of the oblivious widower, right? Like the evil stepmother wouldn't happen if they weren't given the power by the father, right? In a lot of these cases, to to abuse to abuse the child, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the pro of the oblivious widower, the archetype, the pro is again, abundance, right? Like they have abundance, they have wealth, they have a lot. Their con, unlike Scrooge, who also has abundance as his pro, but his con is scarcity. Their con is ignorance. They're completely oblivious and ignorant to what their power and their money can, can, how it can protect others, how it can protect themselves, how it can protect their children. They're just, they're just oblivious. They're ignorant. So that's the third archetype. Okay. The fourth one is the careless spirit. I'm like, can I be the archetype of this one? No, I'm just like, you know, and, and again, it, it relating back to the whole Dave Ramsey thing, this is like the free spirit in my relationship. This is me in which case the pro of this archetype is that they, they have humility. They probably recognize that they're getting a lot. And that they feel as if the universe is entitled to flow towards them, just like it does with everybody. And that their mindset has to do with like, hey, I'm going to, I have a mindset of this, which is that there is an abundance in the universe and I'm going to open myself to it, right? Which was huge, which is a huge part of this, right? The other side of that is the ignorance of the practicality of, of, of the way that money may actually work in that moment. Right. Do you want to say anything else about this one, Anna? 
Yeah, because, well, when Archangel Michael presented this to me, he, he did it all through Disney movies because he's like, these are the things you grew up on, on the archetypes. And he's and the example of the careless spirit was the grandmother in Moana. And I was really confused by this because if you haven't seen the movie, Moana's grandmother is this amazing, beautiful soul who teaches her granddaughter to dance and be powerful and follow her dreams. Moana takes her seriously and gets wisdom from her. But her parents kind of shake off the grandmother as, you know, eccentric, careless, et cetera. So it's someone with a lot of knowledge and a lot of like a lot of healed money wounds, but yet they're not able to practically connect with other people on a level that they will be taken seriously. Oh, that's so, so interesting. Okay. I really like that. And that reminds me of, I know a number of people who are especially kind of crones that I know that I've worked with in, in the past that have this, which is just like, it's like they have so much to give. And yet because they kind of section themselves off or like make themselves inaccessible, it makes it so that they, that they, they can't give all of that. Right. And it's not just money. It's like knowledge and wisdom and all that kind of stuff too. Right. It's like, they're hard to find. And that's interesting. Thank you. For that clarification that makes a lot of sense all right and then the fifth archetype archangel michael gave me was cinderella right so her pro is humility and grace she's humble in the face of poverty she's graceful in the face of hard work like she's she's the opposite of entitled but the con of that is scarcity and and allowing herself to be abused essentially you know when 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 we let ourselves be abused we're not doing our abuser any favor so there's, there's that. So those are the five archetypes of the money wound. And Archangel Michael says that these help shape and define how we perceive money. So if we were going to deconstruct all these archetypes, we're essentially looking at some themes of ignorance, scarcity, entitlement, humility, things like that, right? Yeah. So... So I guess then the question becomes like, in what way are you ignorant of what you have? In what way are you operating on a scarcity mindset? In what way are you not opening yourself up to abundance? In what way are you entitled and completely oblivious to how entitled you are? In what ways are you irresponsible with your wealth? And wealth doesn't have to be necessarily money, right? Wealth can be power, voice time resources like there's there's a lot of things that can go into this than just simply money in the bank right so how are you wasting or abusing your power right. uh, it, it, there's a lot there's a lot there like right. um so <laughs> so i'm looking at it like i'm looking at it with my like because i do this energy thing i've been doing this a lot recently of just like looking at, at the energy pattern of the words so in some way ignorance is not being intentional with the direction of where your money is leaving. Would you say that's the case? It's almost always in the kind of giving aspect. Or would you say the ignorance can be both giving and receiving? Both. Cinderella okay. was ignorant, I believe. Okay. Okay. Right? Cinderella was ignorant as to what she could could do, right? Like, 
the house was in her name. The wealth was in her name. And yet she was completely ignorant as to how to go about and regain her power. Although she didn't necessarily want to because she was so humble. Yeah. And she had the birds and the mice and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, so ignorance is an unawareness. It's like being disconnected from your power, right? Like your power to direct whether to give or to receive. Exactly. Yes. Okay. And then scarcity, it's opposite being abundant. Scarcity being the fact that there's only a certain amount that can be portioned out at any time. It has to do with like, it's a quantity, harsh portion of the wound, right? Like that there's only so much and therefore because there's only so much, I either need to hang on to whatever I have, or I don't deserve to get that, right? right. So it's like, it's like a volume issue, right? As opposed like, to a directional issue that ignorance is. Yeah, like Scrooge is like, there's a finite amount, so I'm going to hold on to all of it, and I'm not going to give, Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And then entitlement is an awareness issue, right? In the sense that you're not aware it's like, it's not like you're not directing it in the right direction. And it's not like you think that there's too little. It's that you just literally are, you are, is it awareness? Is that the way that it is? Is that entitlement is like, it's like, I, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think entitlement is a form of ignorance. It's, it's a lack of understanding of your role in society and the world. Right. Like how connected you are to others. Right. So it's almost like a, it's like almost like a vacuum. I know that seems weird. Like, I mean, like a vacuum is in like a, like a sucking vacuum, right? Like in the sense of like, I think of the poor little rich girl, like the victim mentality says like, I'm entitled. I deserve all of this stuff, but it's like the deservance doesn't come from an understanding of the abundance in the world. The deservance comes from a place of woundedness or privilege. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Thanks. That would just help me understand it. And maybe it might help somebody else understand it, but I love these. This makes so much sense. So like, to like round it out, like, you know, mother wound is about not receiving nurturance, guidance and protection. Father wound is about power, identity, and like self-worth. And then the money wound is ignorance, scarcity, and entitlement. So I love that. Yes. Yes. So like, which one do you feel like you most like most relate to kind of that's a great question because i feel like i feel like what i'm thinking of is like like one of my mentors who recently passed i have been fearful for years of kind of becoming that and she was the epitome of the careless spirit she received so much bounty in her life just from everything that she did but at the same time, she came across as sometimes scarce with with kind of the recognition of those people who had given things to her. And I say that in like with the deepest of respect for for her as a person. But like, I often think of I often think of like in terms of the the money deficit is she always had just enough. Right. But she was constantly looking for sources of people to kind of donate or give to to that place. And I don't know, I just feel like there was. I related very, very a lot to the careless spirit for a long time. And I feel like I finally maybe moved out of that place, in which case then I would probably say, I mean, I think I'm just going to say I'm that one. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think I am? You? Yeah. I think careless spirit. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one I think that goes with you the most. What about you? Well, you know, I thought for a long time 
I, I associated myself with Cinderella, right? But maybe I'm poor little rich girl and I like don't even know it because the poor little rich girl would never think of herself as the poor little rich girl. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's she, why she I would always, yeah. she would always be the victim. So she would always see herself as Cinderella, even if she wasn't. Yeah. I think a poor little rich girl, like, cause I've had this whole like, boohoo, I have this huge student loan debt, poor me, but like, that's very entitled. I took out the student loan, you know, and then here I am complaining about it when I had resources and access to even go to college. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I live in a very nice big home and I've complained on numerous times to my husband about what a bitch it is to keep clean. Most of the time I, I have a great attitude about it. We could see Cinderella, but those moments when I'm like, it's so hard to keep this house clean. That's it's such that's such poor little rich girl stuff, isn't it? Like, what yeah. do you think I am? I can see that. I can see that because oftentimes I think I because I mean we we won't even get into the whole like different finances of different couples. It's it's like there are literally as many financial configurations in a in a partnership, like a you know a love partnership than I like than there is like you know colors colors in the world. And I think it's interesting because I think that in some ways Cinderella could be a poor little rich girl other than the fact that she's actually being abused, right? In the sense that like she has a house. She has she has a freaking almost like manor, massive manor with like so many different things. But because she's being abused, she is the Cinderella, right? Because she's actually in a position of where her power has been taken away from her. Whereas in theory, the poor little rich girl doesn't have any power taken away from her. Like that's the, I feel like the big difference between the poor little rich girl and the Cinderella. And so for you, I but think the poor that, little rich girl thinks she is. That's it. So the poor little rich girl thinks that she is, but she still has complete power to get herself out of that situation, right? Like for you, in theory, you could probably hire a cleaner to come and clean your house so you didn't have to be Cinderella, right? Whereas, you know, you have the power to do that. You have the choice to do that, but you choose not to do that. And because you choose not to, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm using that as an example and there's probably reasons why that couldn't happen, but you know, the, the idea being that like there it's a, it's almost like one is chosen and one is not. Right. And I think also whichever one of these archetypes rubs you the wrong way, the most is the one that you probably are <laughs> because like when I see poor little rich girl stuff in other people, it drives me bonkers. And it, that must be like my red flag of being like, yep, Anna, this one's yours. Cause it's like when I hear people or see people complaining about things that are so trivial. Yeah. Oh my God. You just totally opened this up for me. I am not the careless spirit. I am the Scrooge. Okay, I wanted to say you might be the Scrooge, but I was Why scared I was going to offend it? you. <laughs> Why didn't you say it? You totally should have said it. Oh my God, I am like 100% the Scrooge. It's the one that, it was like the one that like, I just like did a like reading of all of them. And I was like, no, I'm the Scrooge. For years, for years, I would receive things. I've had so much abundance in my life for what I've had. And I haven't had to like, like for, you know, like even if I, even if, my family was quite poor at some point, like, you know, it wasn't quite poor. It was still middle-class, you know? And like, I'm this one who gets this like amazing education and then ends up on food stamps in my twenties. Right. Like, you know, like there's just so much 
there's so much of a scarcity mindset and then also receiving so much and then feeling like I can't give because I don't have enough. But like, I definitely, I'm like 100% the Scrooge and I'm definitely moving out of that space, right? Where I'm starting to recognize that like, I'm starting to take on the Buckminster Fuller kind of mindset of recognizing that the more that I give out, the more that I receive, but I am like 100%. I have been historically the Scrooge. That's a, that's really interesting. And you should definitely have said something. Well, because <laughs> I was going to, and then when I asked Archangel Michael, should I tell her that I got a no. So, you know, I was I, like, okay. I think I, maybe I just needed to have that explanation myself. Maybe, like, maybe you needed to come to it on your own. I did. I did. I, maybe that's exactly, I think that's exactly what needed to happen. And I just had that moment and I'm like, holy shit. Okay. All right. Well, moving into Ken Honda's work, these are seven of his money personality types. So I'm just going to go over these. He doesn't talk about archetypes necessarily. He talks about personality types. So we have here, how about you do the, the evens, Christina? Yeah. Great. Okay. We have the compulsive saver. This is someone who saves money endlessly, views money as a source of security. They're frugal, financially responsible. They're a bargain shopping expert, and they have a fear of irrational spending. This is like your coupon queen. Like, I, I don't know if you've ever seen any of those shows where like they, yeah. they yeah. use amazing coupons, but actually, I don't know. They, they, they don't. They're bargain shopping experts, but they actually buy a lot of shit they don't need. And then they end up needing like storage space for their like 50 gallons of Tide that they don't even use. You know, I don't know. So yeah. There's that. Yeah. There's definitely that. I feel like this is the person who can take a dollar and stretch it into 10. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next is the compulsive spender. The compulsive spender often makes unnecessary purchases, spends when in emotional distress or for immediate gratification, and experiences buyer's remorse after big splurges. I can relate to this one. I can relate to that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Number three, the compulsive moneymaker believes life is better when you earn more. Their top priority is growing wealth, making more money, and craves recognition for their financial success. Yeah. It's their, it's their center, center of worth, right? The next is the indifferent to money, tends to be financially well off, rarely thinks about money and feels money should not influence important decisions in life. So these are personality types. So they're not necessarily all negative because I would feel like the indifferent to money person would be a beneficial thing. Maybe this is like the first really good, you know, that doesn't have a compulsive in the title. Would you say that? That like See, these personality I, types could be like good, quote unquote good. So indifferent to money could maybe be beneficial in the sense of like, it's just not something that you worry about. It's like not the thing. And so it, it I mean, I think it totally depends on what else shows up in your life, right? Like, are you, do you have a general victim mindset in other ways? And you just don't, it just doesn't happen to be in the money wound area. Mm -hmm. The saver dash splurger. This shares a combination of traits between savers and spenders. The compulsive saver and the compulsive spender is smart with money for a certain amount of time, but may then give in to spending impulses out of nowhere. This feels like the disorganized attachment of this personality group, right? Like you have the, the compulsive saver who's like the avoidant. You have the compulsive spender who's the codependent and the anxious attachment. And then you have the saver splurger who is the disorganized attachment one who's like, I'm anxious, I'm avoidant, I'm anxious, I'm avoidant. <laughs> anyway, that's, I'm way crossing different modalities here, but yeah, that's interesting. 
The next is the gambler. Uh, shares combinations of traits between spenders and money makers. So takes big risks with money and happy with financial wins, but deeply depressed over losses. Interesting. Yeah. And then the last. Yeah, it feels a little oh, bit like an. I was going to say it feels a little bit like a someone okay. who's addicted to the emotional, those emotional highs and lows, right? Which so many of us are. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is the worrier, constantly worried about losing money, lacks confidence, inability to achieve financial freedom, always in preparation mode. I can relate to that a little bit too. And Ken Honda has a personality quiz and I will put it in the show notes so you can take the test and see what is your personality type. All right. So you've got your archetypes. You can take the Ken Honda quiz. Here's some other things to start being aware of. Okay. So during doing this work of abundance and wealth, I've noticed that when you are stingy in one area of life, it can spill into others. Ken Honda doesn't necessarily put it that way. He says that wealth is not necessarily like money in the bank. It's, it's your approach to life. Like what makes you feel wealthy? Okay. So like for, I was thinking about it. it. It's not like money in the bank. It's like, what can that money buy you? Like for me, like, like a peaceful, clean and beautiful home and traveling makes me feel wealthy. So when I started to focus on having a beautiful home, having a clean home and traveling, which to me are aspects of wealth, I started to notice shifts in my life. Like I started making my flower garden and putting fresh flowers in my house and, and being more diligent with getting my kids to do family chores so that the house like ran smoothly and cleanly more. Okay. And then with travel, it's really interesting because during all of COVID, I didn't really travel much at all. And this year I've gone on a couple different trips and none of them I paid for. Like my husband had frequent flyer miles and then my parents flew me out because I wanted to see my sister's show and they wanted to gift it to me. And then like, I went to take care of my brother's kids and he bought my plane ticket. So it's like, I've gone on multiple trips this year that I didn't even have to pay for. So it wasn't even like about money, but it was about wealth because I feel wealthy when I travel yeah. because to me, yeah. that's, to me, that's my treat kind of thing. Yeah. So like, okay, Christina, what not talking about money, like what are some things that would make you feel wealthy? What makes me feel wealthy is freedom, honestly, more so than anything, right? Like the freedom time freedom money like I, I would say like money to like go out to eat when I feel like it and not feel guilty like I know that's kind of related to money but I think that like for me freedom is wealth right and so I've noticed that like like anytime and and then like I you know I live on the 60 acre property and like you know I feel really wealthy when I'm here because I feel like it's like I feel like I have freedom here. Right. Cause I'm like, there's nobody around. Like I can go skinny dipping in, in like the lake or the pool or whatever, all these different things, you know, and just to give people context who are listening on the West coast, like Georgia real estate is a lot cheaper than California real estate, just to give you guys like, a, especially in the middle of Georgia, like, especially in the middle of Georgia. But, but the idea being that like, isn't that funny? That was probably a money wound thing coming up a fear of entitlement. The idea being that like, I think that for me, freedom is like when I'm free to choose to do what I want to do and when I'm free to like be and, and maybe spend or do whatever, like that is pure wealth to me. Right. Okay. Like, so eating out more, more time to do the things you want to do. I would also say travel. 
I would agree that like travel when it's not like sitting in a car driving many, many hours when it's like getting on a plane, like getting on a plane to me is like, is like a, a sign of, of, it's like a feeling of wealth for me. Okay. Very yeah. cool. All right. So the next thing we want to look at is how when we're stingy in one area of life, it spills into other areas of life. And like Christina and I both experienced this recently. So, okay, here's an example. I have a friend who I had a falling out with and we have a very trauma bond friendship. Yes, you can have trauma bonds with friends, not just lovers, but I'm still in close connection with her sister. And this friend went through a, a bad experience recently and her sister was trying to encourage me to reach out to my friend to show support. And I was contemplating it for a while. I was like, thinking like maybe I should reach out to her and and give my like support and condolences and believe it or not my bank account slowly started to like drop and then just the other day I was like you know what I deserve to surround myself with friends who are kind to me and I don't have to worry that like from one day to the next they're gonna attack me or block me or something so I just told my friend sister like, you know what I thought about it? And I already know how the story is going to end. It's going to end with my feelings getting hurt. So I'm just going to jump to the end and decide not to reach out to her. Even though I want to, I'm just yeah. not going to. Yeah. And within that day, my bank account like quadrupled. Like all these insurance claims that were owed came in. And then I made an appointment at a spa because I'm a poor little rich girl. And they had to reschedule me and they were like, because we're rescheduling you last minute, we're going to give you a $50 credit. And I was like, what? And it was like, it was like the universe was trying to show me so clearly, look, when you are stingy in one area, it's going to spill into other areas. Like I was being stingy with my self-worth as a friend. Mm -hmm. And when I was like able to say, no, you know what? I deserve, I deserve to like only be with friends who I know aren't going to hurt me. I suddenly feel like I open myself up to more financial abundance. Yes. Yes. And I have a similar experience. As of the airing of this, I will no longer be employed by my traditional employer. And that's like six years. <laughs> Luke, my, my husband and I were joking last night because I was like, how long have I wanted to quit this job? Anna, you could probably tell me how long I've been complaining about it for, but I've every probably, day for yeah, the last seven years. years <laughs> right. I think there was like a year and a half in there in which it like worked really well because you know I got pregnant when I when I was just joining the company and so I like still got maternity leave and stuff like that, which was very very I was very privileged to be in that position. But the I think I think that for the last three to four years I have been kind of trying to extricate myself from this. And it's all about, and for me, it was all about, but it doesn't feel like my purpose, right? And then I kept like going into this fight with myself and being like, no, but it's necessary because I'm the sole breadwinner for my family and there's no way I can do something else. And it's so irresponsible. Like I had all those parts inside of me that were just like, you just need to deal with this, right? Like it was very much so, I remember years ago, my husband and I got in a fight about sacrifice and he's like, you have to sacrifice if you're going to get money is what he said. Like, if you're gonna support things, you have to sacrifice. And I was like, fuck that. Like, I don't want to have to sacrifice anything. Like, why do I have to sacrifice? 
Like, why is that a part of actually getting stuff? Which I feel like that probably goes into one of our money wound archetypes that we're talking about. But like the idea of that, the only way that you can get anything is through sacrifice. And I was so against it. And yet I slowly took it on. Right. And so for me, my relinquishment of my sacrifice was like a very deeply selfish thing. And so now that I am. It was Cinderella, I think. Is it, is it Cinderella? Yeah. Like I where think. it's like, oh yeah, no, that that's it. Yeah. It is Cinderella. Right. It's this idea that you have maybe, so maybe my partner has the Cinderella one, right. Where it's like, you have to sacrifice in order to, to get what you want because the system is so corrupt that it's never going to work. I think that now that I'm finally moving out of this position, it's like abundance is like flowing into me. Right. Like once that, now that I've finally been like, I am not going to sacrifice anymore and I am going to do so much better for myself, so much better for my family, so much better for the world if I can just pull into this new space, which is, you know, doing my intuitive coaching full time and like doing these new practicums that I've come up with that are like these 12 week, like specific curriculums for like learning how to lucid dream and things like that. And it's just like taken off and it's incredible. And and in one week you made as much money as you would make in two months working yeah. or something, right? Working yeah. for the quote unquote man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, that is it, it to me, I stopped settling and I stopped sacrificing and by relinquishing the desire, the need to sacrifice in order to be able to support my family. Like it's, it's working out. It still has a lot of room to grow, but you know, it, it, to me, it was like the universe was like, look, We've been waiting to push all of this stuff into your space, but we couldn't until you actually stopped sacrificing. I love it. Good job. So it's funny because we also both came to that same conclusion, like on the same day when on you were like, you were day. like, I gave, I quit my job and yet I just made all this money. And I was like, and I said no about going back to this friendship and my bank account boosted and I got a $50 credit at the spa. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. And I think now that I understand about the Scrooge thing, my next goal is to figure out how to allow that flow to come out, like how to how to move that flow out of my system as well, right? Because like the acknowledgement of the sacrifice, like moving out of the Cinderella phase into the into the recognition that the underlying one for me is a Scrooge phase is like important. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I was talking to Archangel Michael and I was like, okay, so I was being stingy with myself and settling in friendship. If I was going to, you know, go back that way, what are other places that we settle? And I was like, is it like seven things like family, friends, faith, you know, like those seven special things. He was like, oh no, no, no. There's infinite ways that you can be stingy with yourself. And he showed me the astrology wheel, like the 12 houses and the astrology wheel and like those, the, the 12 houses of the astrology wheel, we are basically, we start at, at the first house and we travel through the 12th house. And these are all like life events and things that happen in our life. So the astrology wheel is actually like the best parameter to show us like where we can be stingy. So I'm going to just like go through the different houses and talk about different areas in your life where you may or may not be stingy. And I started to notice that the places that I've hold stinginess are the places that I have a lot of planets in and Christina, you too. So that's why I was like asking you where, you, where your son was and all yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So like, if you also are just curious, like where, where am I settling? Where am I holding limitations? Maybe pull up your astrology chart and go look where you have 
a lot of planets residing. Maybe perhaps we're here in this world to like learn those lessons of that house. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to just go through. Yeah, I, those houses. I could almost see it as like a, gra- you know, because planets have gravitational pull and like it almost feels like it's like, it's like instead of just being able to like freely move in abundance through all of these, it's like you get pulled into a fort, you get pulled into the gravitational pull of that planet in a certain house and then you get stuck there for a bit until you kind of learn to move on from that that scarcity or that whatever. Yeah, interesting. Right. Yes, okay, go for it. So even if you're not a fan of astrology, the point being these are just 12 different areas of life where you might be holding stinginess or or limitations, okay? The first one is the self, the house of the self. So maybe you're you're secretly trans, maybe you're gay. Maybe you want to dress really sexy, or maybe you want to dress really eccentrically, like self-expression, like are you holding yourself back in terms of your self-expression? Okay? That's one area. Number 2 is money. Okay? So like, you know, your bank account like practical things like that, but it can also spill into daily routines, work ethic, security, like procrastination, things like that. Like procrastination is in some ways poverty mindset and, and like not, not like holding yourself back from your daily routine is also scarcity mindset. So like you can see how these things kind of translate into the whole ideas we were talking about earlier about entitlement and scarcity ignorance abundance things like that would you say that the second house like I feel like in some ways the second house is like the movement of energy throughout your day right because like if you are like a super organized person you're like you're like putting your energy throughout the day and money to me is just like energy in a lot of ways it's just in a it's 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 in a tangible form it's a transferable form of energy it's a very practical and material form of energy right and daily routines is Daily routines is like, I, I recognize when the energy is going to happen throughout the day. And therefore, like, hopefully you're creating a daily routine and a work ethic around the fact that like, around your energy level. So in some ways, it feels like the second energy, I don't know this, because I don't know enough about astrology, I only learned it from you. But like, that there's something that has to do with like the movement and flow of energy in the second house. Yeah, well, it's a lot. It's the house, the natural home of Taurus. So it's like very practical, energy based, solidity based, hardworking are those like those themes. Nice. Okay, the third house is the house of communication. So here you don't just have like communication with others in self, but it also has to do with social activities and siblings. The fourth house is the house of the home. It can also relate to relationship with your parents, your relationship with food, your relationship with just being home. Okay. Are are you having a scarcity mindset with your relationship with food or your parents, or are you being entitled with food, you know, or or whatever it is, right? Okay. Number five is romance and love affairs, creativity, creating things, children, it is the natural home of Leo. And so this is like where romance is, not necessarily marriage, because traditionally, like a long time ago, marriage wasn't about love. Marriage was about like a structural legal binding relationship, not necessarily romance and love. So yes. this one is the house of romance and love. Right. So power, it used to be about power and now we associate romance with love, right. marriage with romance, but it's not yeah. necessarily that. Yeah. And then the sixth house has to do with health. So we're talking about like fitness, nutrition, health, and services given, right? So like being altruistic or service, you know, helping out with the soup kitchen, things like that. 
Number seven is marriage and contracts, business partners, things like that. Eight is sex and intimacy. So like, yeah, you might be married. Yeah, you might have a lot of friendships. Are you being stingy in how intimate you're going? Or how much you're letting yourself enjoy sex, for example. Number nine is travel, wisdom, and philosophy. So we both were like, yeah, travel. I want to like not be stingy with travel. 10 is career or long-term goals. 11 is groups like humanitarianism, friends, social situations, and technology. And then the last one is spirituality and intuition. So these are just some areas. And I will put in the show notes a link to like the chart. So you can just see like, you know, what areas, if any, am I being stingy in? in and, and what ways am I limiting abundance in my life? How do you, how would you limit, how would you limit spiritual intuition? Like how would you, what would be stinginess in the 12th house? I'm like, okay. I, can, I feel like I can imagine all the other ones, but that one I'm having a trouble with. Okay. Let's say you don't listen to your intuition or let's say you as a child were clairvoyant, freaked your parents out. And so you've hid your gift or you are not willing to listen to the voices that you hear, <laughs> or you really want to buy the tarot cards, but you're scared that your spouse is going to think you're a weirdo. So you don't, you know, things like that. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Right. Or like spirituality would be like, Hey, I really want to go on this spiritual retreat or, Hey, I really want to go do a 10 day Vipassana course, but ah, my work won't let me, or I really want to like leave the church and go do this Wicca thing, but like my family will disown me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I love that. Wait, so where are our houses to give people an example? Are we going to do that? Before yeah. We I mean, yeah? we could like mine. So I have a stellium in the eighth house. I have a lot of planets in the eighth house. And so for me, like sex and intimacy, like growing deeper in intimacy, I feel like that is definitely a place because I feel like I can be really intimate with people that I don't have a risk with, but like, like I could bare my soul to like a complete stranger, right? But like to be fully intimate and present with my husband is really hard for me. Like I just said that on a podcast where thousands of people are going to listen, but it's true. And yeah. So yeah, I think intimacy. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. I am sitting here trying to get my report. So I'm sorry. It's not. I think you have a lot of stuff in the 12th house, actually. I have a lot of stuff in the 12th house, which is really interesting because it, 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 it totally aligns with what Matt Kahn. Actually, no, he didn't say to it in the recording, did he? No, oh, man. we didn't record his private like session with us. Yeah. But, um, but said, I think that's what yeah. your job is, is like your job, letting go of your job is like moving into owning your spirituality and intuition more. That does make a lot of sense. That does make a lot of sense because that's what it feels like. One of the things that Matt Kahn said, and I really recommend, I'm like super excited about that interview that's that's happening. It's the last episode of the season, but it talks about is the experience of like that. For me, I oftentimes process when I've actually already processed and I'm ready to just like talk about the things, talk about all the kind of, when I'm talking about processing, I'm talking about like, I've been developing this spiritual kind of framework for fucking years at this point how many how, how long has it been it's been almost been as long as i've had this job it's been as long as i since i first became pregnant with my son which was now six and a half years ago 
And he's like, you're just always going to be processing and you need to realize that you just need to stop processing. But yeah, so I, I have a lot of ones in the 11th house too. And I feel like I have two in the eighth house. So you're saying eighth house is about intimacy, right? And, and also like enjoyment of sex. And then the 11th house is like technology, humanitarianism, friends. It's yeah. And that totally relates to the Scrooge, right? If it's humanitarianism, right? It's like that scarcity of like being in that Scrooge place. It's just, it's just like, can you be as generous as possible with whomever? I feel like I've worked on that so much, but I can see how I could do a little bit better. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. So, I mean, there's so many planets. Are you really like concentrating on like which ones you have a lot in and which ones you and like which ones your like big three are like, you know, your sun, your moon and maybe you're like Mars or is it just like you're looking at all of them all together because you could have. I, I was looking I was looking at where you have a stellium. So the stellium is when you have three or more planets residing in one house. That's usually a very strong influence. Okay. But okay. or you could look at where your sun and moon are. Sweet, sweet. But you don't awesome. have to. You can also just like intuitively or log logically go through them and be like, yeah, that sounds like me. Yeah. I don't know if I actually have a stellium. I think I only have a bunch of, what's the, what's the term for only having two planets in a house? There is not a term for that, I don't believe. Because it's not, it's pretty, it's probably not. Right. Very, it's, yeah. Because I can see health and fitness. I can see so much. This is actually really helping because like the list of 12 makes it so that it feels like, it, you could be like, well, I could see something in all of them, but like by looking at my natal chart and being like, if I have two planets in a certain house, like I can see health and fitness, like not super big on health and fitness at all. Like I can see the things with sex and, and intimacy, right? Like if nothing other than just my neurodivergence, which makes it so it's hard for me to like, remember that I'm supposed to do that. And I can see it in kind of group friends and, and altruism and like humanitarianism. And I can see it in the spiritual intuition. And, you know, I feel like it's one of those things where you don't have to deal with all of them at once, but we're going to be talking about the healing aspect of this next time, right? Right. But, it, but before we leave, should we do all, one little healing exercise for yes. and giggles? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, there's one that's really easy. This is the Ken Honda one and he calls it, is your money smiling? And he was at a party and this woman's like, can I look in your wallet? And he was like, yeah, I guess. And she looks in his wallet. She goes, oh, good. Your money's smiling. And he's like, what? What do you mean? And basically, like, the way that you treat your wallet, the way you treat the money in your wallet is a big reflection of how you think about your money. So it's like everything tossed in there haphazardly. Are things organized and clean? Like, it are is your wallet being properly taken care of? You know? And yeah. if it's, if it's all just thrown in there haphazardly, maybe you neglect your money. You're not letting your money smile. Interesting. Yeah, no, I can show you like, I can try and describe what, what I'm showing, oh. Anna, which is this, my wallet is on the back of my phone. It's attached to the back of my phone and it's so disgusting and it's like broken and it has like, do you, can you see all these like broken yes. bits and pieces and it's super She's dirty. got one of these like wallets that attach to the phone. Yeah. And, and my cards too, like my cards have started to deteriorate because it's like in such a tight space, even though I do feel much better. I know that, that probably people have something to say about using Apple pay for everything because whatever, but the, you know, uh, I do feel so much better when it's actually just on my phone. Like I'm just interacting with my phone and I'm not, I don't have like a dingy card that I have to pull out to do something with. 
like it does make me feel better about the money that's leaving when that's that case. I so wouldn't I say that your that. your money looks sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that you're definitely right. <laughs> I think you need to get a nice wallet and like put them all in there so they have their own compartments and they're not rubbing against each other. <laughs> Okay. Like, and when I did that exercise, I was, it was, mine was neglect because I didn't even know where my wallet is. Oh my God. Well, that's because, the thing. Because I use Apple pay or I just, like I either use Apple pay or keep my driver's license in my car. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's like, crazy that you keep it in here. Yeah. I, I would, I, I guess you're always with your car. I'm your always car is like, like, if I'm going to, yeah. Like if I'm ever going to use it, it's in my car. But the point is I started to realize that I was very neglectful of my money. My money was not smiling because I also never checked my bank account. So I never really knew how much money was in there. And so that's also like neglectful. So I started getting to a habit of checking my bank account every day. And that's, that's definitely giving off poor little rich girl vibes of like not having to check your bank account a little bit. <laughs> it's also stupid. It's also yeah. stupid. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I guess that's the aspect of it. I, I guess there's like a, the ignorance entitlement, whatever it is, but yeah, I, you know, it's funny because I, in two different occasions, once I found my grandmother's old wallet and I like, my grandmother, who like really did not like me at all, she was kind of a nasty woman, but she had a lot of money and she was like really generous with it though. And I was like, maybe I'm going to get like really good vibes from this wallet. And it was like, as soon as I put my stuff into it, it was like, it was like, it did not give the abundance feel that I wanted to at all. Like it did not, it, you know, it was like, it, it, I remember it just being like, it felt off and it felt off very similar to my relationship with my grandmother because it like every single time I saw it, it reminded me of her and how like, eh, I don't, I'm not going to say like abusive, but like nasty she was. And then my sister gave me a hand-me-down wallet that I put my stuff in at one point and I was like, oh, this is good. And then that also did not work at all because it was a hand-me-down wallet. Like it was like, you know, it had been somebody else's, it, like somebody else had made their money smile in it. And and it's like, I feel like there's something with the energy of like, I think your homework is to get a nice wallet this weekend. <laughs> One that I can't lose. That's the trouble. Like that neglect thing of like, I don't know where it is. It's like, it's to get a nice wallet that is like, oh, that's why your phone has your credit cards on it. So you don't lose it. It's a super ADHD thing. Like I know that oh. if I had to keep track of a third thing besides my keys and my phone, like I would be fucked. And my phone can talk. It can like beep. Right. And I tried to make my keys beep too, but I, I wonder if you can get a new wallet case for your phone that like only has a driver's license and one credit card or debit card. And then the rest are in Apple pay. And that way they don't rub against each other so hard. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. I think I need to get one anyway. And I think that that's what I'm going to do because that solves the problem of like, I can't keep track of a third thing because I can barely keep track of the two things. Yeah. So yeah. maybe just get a new one and like minimize what's in it. Yeah. Yep. I like that. Yeah. Wonderful. Usually Apple pay is everywhere. So it's like, you really only need to have one debit or credit card on you. Right. Right. For just those types of cases where, I mean, I, I live in a town where it's not everywhere. They're still pretty archaic in a lot of the ways. Like you still have to put your credit card on the bill to be able to get your food sort of thing. So yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. This is really interesting. And it's, thank you so much, Anna.
All right, here's another exercise we're gonna do. Oh, okay, sorry. It's okay, do you have time? I do. All right, so this is very similar. Ken Honda leads this one where you have a conversation with money and we've called it in the past, talk to your demon or speak to your demon. So like, instead what let's do, let's, let's put ourselves, let's put ourselves in like a hypnotic state. Okay. And I want you to embody money, like your relationship with money. And I'm just going to ask it some questions. Okay. Okay. So you can do this exercise with a friend. You can do it with yourself. You could do it like writing on paper. If automatic writing is more your thing, you can do it visually in your mind. Like like the, like this feature demon kind of exercises that we've talked about in the past. I will put a link in our show notes to an episode where we discuss how to do that better. But I'm going to just for shits and giggles here, I'm going to be the speaker and Christina is going to embody her own money wound. Okay. My, I'm, I'm embodying money. I'm embodying how money your perception of money. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hello, money. <laughs> Hi. How do you feel? Are you smiling? Christina, it's Christina's money smiling. Uh, no, that would you, be a definite no. So why are you not smiling? I just feel really uncomfortable. I feel really uncomfortable right now. And I feel like a surly teenager. Like I can't even get over like the amount of fucking turmoil that I have been in. I feel like I'm in the fucking washing machine right now, honestly. Like I feel like I'm just like, I've been in the washing machine for years. It's like, first I'm good, then I'm bad, then I feel bad about having me, then I'm going to do this. And it's like, I've been fucking put through the ringer of of my worth as like a thing. And all I am is a thing. And yet she puts and she personifies me and she makes it so that I'm just this like, this thing that is like so indicative of not only her value, but also like her ability to deserve worth and power and like everything like I am I am like fucking carrying the weight of so much bullshit and I am so tired of it it sounds like you're very frustrated I am very frustrated I am just the flow of energy and by putting so much like stuff on me like I'm a flow of energy between places and by putting so much weight on me I'm not allowed to actually move freely to and from so you feel weighted down I feel very heavy which makes it hard for me to come in and hard for me to leave is there what what are some ways that Christina could unweight you I, I think if she were to take away and disconnect some of the like some of the value that she puts on herself so like like basically rewiring her system so that it like money does not become like, I feel like if she has like a, like a dashboard of like all of the different things that like prove that she's worthy, like she needs to disconnect money for a little bit. Right. Because like, it, it's a good indicator that you're doing something well and that something helps. But right now she has so much circuited, like there's so much that's in this circuit right now that I feel like if she were to just like take a little break and just be like, I'm going to find other reasons and other other feedback that's going to tell me about my self-worth more. It's going to help me feel like I can get strong enough to be like healthy and move lightly and move to and from people. Does that make sense? Of course. I think you're under a lot of pressure. Yeah. Would you like to ask Christina for an apology? 
I don't need an apology. I just want her to do something. I just want her to do something because you know what? I'm meant to move. I am like 100% meant to move. I am meant to like, that's my job. Like, and when I'm not allowed to move, when I'm either not allowed to come in or I'm not allowed to leave, like when everything becomes stagnant, I lose, I lose my power. I lose my momentum and I lose my energy. And I think that, you know what, I'm, I completely understand why Christina has done what she's done with me. I completely understand why she has like wanted to slow things down because to her money is the source of survival. When she feels that she has the possibility of money, then she's able to, you know, then she's able to get out of fight or flight. And so I get that. I don't need an apology for that. I just need her to act and to lighten it so that I can start moving again and to give me an inertial kick so that we can start this really beautiful feedback cycle in which the more she gives, the more she receives. Christina, can you step forward? Yeah. Are you, are you feel are you hearing everything your money is telling you? Yeah. That is such an intense energy. Holy shit. And what do you do you want to say or do or plan anything for money? I think that I I think that diversifying the give is really important and I think that I also need to just like give a chunk of money away. <laughs> My husband's going to be super happy about this. But you know, give a chunk of money away. Oh, that's something else. Oh, I can even hear it in my head being okay. like, okay, let's go back. To- yeah, I was gonna say go back to money then. If you if money's shouting, you need to stop giving other people power over your money. You need to stop giving people power to like you are making it so that your partner is able to make decisions for me that have nothing to do with him. Stop saying it's him it's you <laughs> okay okay but i'm back at christina okay yes yeah it has nothing to do with him is what she's saying like what they're what it's saying it's like it has nothing to do with him it's like it's it's all me and i need to take it into my own sense that like you know i can claim it's like it's like you know when somebody's trying to tell you something and they're like i need to talk to my husband about this or i need to talk to my partner about this or my wife about this you know like my my boyfriend about this it's like you know it's like the ultimate way to just get off the phone and not actually have to make a commitment mm-hmm. it's like that's what that's what i do with this so all right we're almost out of time so why don't we let me just talk to money for a minute again yeah okay okay, okay. Hey, money, we're out of time on this podcast, but I promise you that Christina is going to have a more in-depth conversation with you later today or sometime this weekend and sort out some plans that you guys can put together in effect so that you feel more free and unweighted. Okay. And then we're going to talk about it on the healing one. Yes. Okay, great. I think you really want to be her, don't you? I like talking. (laughs) All right. Thanks, money. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, man, that is like a fucking jolt of energy through my body when I do that, which is actually kind of good. I feel like it's really nice, but she's super hyperactive. Hmm. When I did mine, mine was like, I feel really neglected by you. Like, I'm really sad. Like, I feel like you don't pay any attention to me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
That's interesting. So then are you, are you like, if you were going back to Ken Honda's inner like personality types, are you the indifferent to money one? I feel like um, you're not. No, no. It's not that I neglect it because I am indifferent to it. I neglect it because I'm scared of it. <laughs> I'm neglect. I'm so neglect the warrior then. I'm the, the warrior. warrior. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I neglect it because I don't want to look at the big account because it makes me anxious or whatever. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I feel like, yeah, I can definitely see that. This has been amazing, Anna. Thank you so much. <laughs> like, I'm super excited about this. And I feel like we've even given some like healing tools, right? Like, because if you could talk, if, if you guys feel comfortable talking to your money, like that may be the trick to be able to understand exactly what's necessary in terms of like allowing it to flow in and out of your life. Right. Because yeah. I feel like there's a lot with deservance like I know for me money is oftentimes associated with corruption right that like and and so like talk I'm gonna talk to my money wound and I will report back on our next episode of how that goes on our next money wound episode yes on our next money wound episode. yeah thank you just I just didn't want money to be like why aren't we talking about me <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome yeah Fantastic. All right. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of TSF. Would you like to do a favor for those who may be similar to you or in the same situation? Then leave us a review on iTunes because that's how people can find us. We really appreciate it and we appreciate you. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.